Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on The College Draft Podcast, which is presented, of course, by betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. Just make sure you use the promo code PODCAST1. He is Matt Waldman, at Matt Waldman on Twitter, the owner, purveyor, whatever, of the rookie scouting portfolio. Matt Waldman, RSP.com is the website. NFL teams get this. The Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Matt Waldman, RSP.com. Go ahead, check it out. It is awesome because he is awesome. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, now five podcasts. Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports, this here College Draft Podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which had Mina Kimes as the guest today. She had uh, a lot of awesome things to say about the XFL, about analytics, about her Miles Garrett interview. Highly encourage you to check that interview out on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We also, of course, have the Fantasy Feast and Even Money Podcasts for those of you that are into fantasy football or betting on football. You also, if you're into this podcast... You should absolutely head on over to patreon.com slash RT Media and become a patron at the Tuckhead level so that you can chime in on the online chats, the private Slack channel with other diehards. Because if you love this podcast, you are absolutely a diehard. You need to join the others that are like you, the others. What was that show? The Lost? I think I watched a show with my wife, Lost. The Others. Anyway. Let's get into the others, Matt, when it comes to your combine preview and 10 things people need to know about the NFL combine. We got to part one last week. And I think we got to four out of the 10. We'll try to get to the rest of them today. All right, Matt, let's dive right into it. I already told everybody, encourage you to go back and listen to the first four questions from last week. We've got 10 questions relating to combine preview number five 
Which specific workouts do you give significant weight for the positions that you study relevant relative, I should say, to the event as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the guys that I study for the rookie scouting portfolio are you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. So the you know, for running back, I really love to look at the twenty shuttle and the three cone drill because for for me it's about acceleration quickness reacceleration quickness and change of direction quickness. And then to me, those drills do that very well um, and apply very well to what running backs often do in, in a tight area of space. Um, so I look at that probably most of all. And the same is very true with wide receivers, though I will add a little bit more weight to the 40 time just for the fact if I'm looking at receivers who um, really their games in, in, the col- in, in terms of how it's applied on the field has been more about being a deep threat. Um, so, you know, but again, I really do value that 20 shuttle and three cone drill as well as the vertical leap. Um, you know, in terms of those receivers, it, it just depends on what their game is like. If they're more built like an Allen Robinson and have been playing like an Allen Robinson, then I may look at 40 time and, and, and the vertical leap a little bit more as opposed to a guy who might be more, uh, often used in the slot where I may not consider the 40 time as big of a deal, but I really will value that short area explosion um, in terms of the acceleration and change of direction. And then with, you know, with tight end, you know, and I would say even with running back a little bit, I mean, I would say with tight end and running back, I would probably also look at things like um, the broad jump, um, just looking for that, that sheer explosion in terms of strength and, and quick twitch type of strength, explosive strength, um, and and go from there in terms of, you know, same thing with tight ends, depending on what type of tight end they are. If they're split out more and more of a move tight end, then I'm looking at some of the same things that I look at with the wide receivers. Um, I'd love to say that I look at things like the, you know, the bench press, and I certainly look at, look at that event, um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it only shows one aspect of strength and it's maybe not as functional as it appears um, in terms of the, you know, in terms of, you know, really what they're trying to measure there. Um, Because you're looking at a certain area of upper body strength, but you're not at the same time being able to look at, you know, the whole tier of functional strength just out of a bench press. All right. So speaking of those workouts, Matt, if you could change some of the workouts, what would you add, alter, or eliminate from the combine? Well, I think I think right off the bat would be the the gauntlet drill. I know it's a really popular drill for people to watch, and I think it's exciting. And from a from more of a just public viewing standpoint, it's a very entertaining drill. And and you know I've had this conversation in the past with Russ Landy, who's a CFL scout and a former. Um, NFL scout with the Rams and the Browns. And one of the things that, you know, he was told in the past was that the, that really that drill was used to measure how well a receiver can get his hands up and ready and his head around fast enough and being ready to do that. But with today's technology where you can basically pull up the film and see, you know, you can literally, they literally have databases where they can sort through all the plays that do that this drill basically asks these players now to, to learn to a test that isn't even realistic to what the NFL does. So for me, I would probably prefer that, 
you know, to me, this is more of a drill that just adds more complication to what a player is or isn't. Um, so it wouldn't be one that I would have, um, you know, involved with that. I would love to see a 40. This sounds kind of strange, but I would love to see a 40 run in a way where maybe the, instead of it just being a straight line type of drill, that, that it actually does incorporate um, some sort of bend or change in track direction or something that isn't as ju- just strictly running in a straight line because, it, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it would be interesting to add that kind of element to it where there's a little bit more change of direction involved or reacceleration involved midway through and and something that maybe wouldn't necessarily be a 40, but something that would be an add-on to it that just kind of shows a player's ability to change direction a couple of times and then have to run that um, and do it in a way that may not be necessarily as predictable as it's trained for. I don't know how agents would feel about that, but certainly from a, from a standpoint of getting to measure how a player reaccelerates after, after having doing work that's expected to the line of scrimmage, those two things I would look at. I would also probably look at different types of strength workouts um, and I, you know, I haven't thought about this one in particularly with a great deal, putting a great deal of thought into it, but I would again, add something other than just a bench press as a way of being able to determine strength, um, you know, for someone in terms of just sheer lifting power. Um, I think that would be helpful as well. So those are three areas that, that I'd probably consider. And then I think one that that's worthwhile mentioning is that they could probably, you know, for the scouts specifically, probably having a longer period of time to do interviews, um, whether it's they lengthen the combine to an extent where there's a certain number of staff that stay longer to be able to interview everybody for a period of time, um, that might be extremely helpful um, as opposed to what they do now where, you know, these guys get, you know, it's pretty sad. It's a pretty um, dense schedule and packed schedule where, maybe they don't get the amount of time that you'd like that they'd probably like to have. I think it's a good point, Matt. You know, most of them would tell you that the interview part of it is like uh, that and the, as we talked about, the medical is the most important part, but they only get 60 interviews now, I believe. It seems to me like there should be some mechanism where you could interview as many guys as you want. Uh, you know, I know that you can t- you can go to their pro day and meet with them then, and you can have them come to your your facility and meet with them then. I forget how many of those they get. I think they call them top twenty or top thirty visits or whatever. Um, but you should be able to meet with everybody you want to meet with somehow, some way. Um, I would say, as a former offensive lineman, I know that they believe that they measure lower body explosiveness with the vertical jump and the broad jump. You know, they feel like they can measure power there. Um, That may or may not be true. I I do think if a guy is really explosive on the broad jump, he's got, he's got some, certainly he's got some juice, but there's difference between like a quick twitch jump strength and like sustained muscle, like lifting strength. I always thought it was interesting. I always ran a terrible 40 time. And yet when you watch, like when I would pull or get up to the second level or if it was a reverse or a screen or something where I was running, I always looked pretty fast and looked pretty athletic. You know, I always used to say 
I had the worst 40 time of any of the starting offensive linemen, but it always seemed like I got downfield faster than everybody else. So I don't know how you really <laughs> measure that. I think 10-yard split helps. I think short shuttle helps. Uh, but ultimately, I don't know. I, I think some of it's just how fast do you play? What is your real game That's speed? Right. Which is very yeah. hard to quantify, obviously. Yeah, and it's one of those things that is, it's – it's the whole idea of, you know, coaches will talk about you can get a four four wide receiver and if he doesn't run good routes and he doesn't recognize information well on the field and process it, he may look more like a four six, four seven guy, whereas you can get a guy who runs a four six, four seven, who runs excellent routes and looks faster than the four four guy. And I think that probably applies to what you're talking about with your experience is that if you're identifying the information quickly, if you're anticipating where you need to go. Um, if you understand those things and you're not having to think so much on the field because you're you're ready and you see things on the field quickly, then you're going to you're going to look quick and you're going to be quick on the field doing your job. And I think that that's the you know that's the difference between you know people who time well and people who play fast. Moving on, let's get to uh, players that you're studying for the rookie scouting portfolio, Matt, that you believe stand to gain or lose the most from these workouts because of questions or observations you have developed about them based on your film study or the all-star events themselves. Yeah, and and I think some of it, you know, some of these guys, I'm going to even add some guys that maybe just we've talked about on these, you know, on, on these podcasts over the past year as well. And, you know, one guy, C.D. Lamb, I think he's more than fast enough to be a star in this league or to be at least a very productive starting wide receiver. And if he ran a 4.5 or even 4.55 or higher in the 40, maybe even if he even ran a 4.6 in the 40, I wouldn't lose my mind over that. I don't think he's going to be anywhere in that, in that, uh, you know, range. I think he's going to be faster than that. But people are going to wonder: Is he fast enough to be a top pick in, in you know early in the first round or in the mid first round? So that's something that people are going to look at. And also, it does help designate how teams may use him as a player if he did run a slower time. Is he going to be more of a slot guy? Is he going to be more of a flanker, or is he someone that they're going to be able to stick in at split end right away? Um, especially when teams look at players who are a certain size, if they're not, you know, 210 pounds plus, you know, then they want to see someone who has that compensatory speed, um, you know, who can, who can really run at a, at a high level. Um, Chase Young is, I think, going to show you why his potential is worth an early pick. You know, he certainly, he is, he may not be as polished as, as say the Bosa's who came before him, but certainly, you know, they're going to look at him and, and say, you know, athletically, he's everything you want from a defensive end. And this is, this is going to reinforce that. And certainly he does have a lot of skills already. He's not raw, but I think that, that that's going to reinforce how high teams pick him. I think Hunter Bryant's medicals, a tight end out of Washington, his medicals are an issue due to the multiple injuries that he's had, including a knee injury. So he's going to need to we're going to need to be clear and, and kind of show, you know, that excellent short area quickness. He's going to need to clear that medical pretty well and, and show that explosion to reinforce that he's also worth a higher pick 
on the board for teams that are looking for a tight end. Um, Louisville's Makai Becton is a good example of a guy with, you know, he was really smooth. He has a, a great wingspan at tackle. He's got granite hands. Um, and, you know, all those punches probably more like an old George Foreman trying to hit Ali and Zaire at certain times. He, you know, he's flexible and fluid, but he's had issues staying in shape. So, you know, him showing up in shape for this event is going to be a big deal. Um, and then Jawan Jennings, you know, a guy I really like out of Tennessee wide receiver. I really want to see his 20 shuttle and three cone drill be, um, you know, look good in these drills because he's not particularly explosive downfield as a, as more of a, you know, split end type. He's more of a, of a slot or a flanker type. And depending on how, how fast he is and how quick he is, that's going to, that may help him a little bit because he's a very physical receiver, um, both at the catch point after the catch. And then even as a blocker, he's, he's an excellent blocker. And then you have T Higgins also, I think, and you know, his 40 time may be helpful to him. Um, and then, you know, we saw that Tyler Johnson's not even going to run today and he definitely needs to show that he has speed and, and quickness to his game because there have been rumors throughout the year that he can't run um, that, you know, and I've looked at him and I think that he's more Alan Hearns than Alan Robinson. Um, when you think about, you know, his athletic ability, but you know, when Hearns was at his best, he was still really good. Maybe not early round material, but he was a, he was a very productive receiver in Jacksonville for a cup for at least a couple of years and has been an asset to teams that have used him as a free agent. And then I'll probably add a guy like Cheyenne O'Grady, who is a tight end out of Arkansas. And I discussed Dre Greenlaw in our Super Bowl preview, Ross. And, you know, Greenlaw is a guy who called out O'Grady when they were at Arkansas for not attending class and workouts. Um, they were high school teammates as well. And, and Grady's had multiple suspensions and questionable conditioning, which led to a knee injury. He's a really talented, physically talented player, and he has some technical skills that could help him have a better NFL career than a college career, at least from an on-field standpoint. But he's going to need to show that he's, you know, he's maturing and that he's heading, that the arrow's pointing in the right direction in terms of the light coming on for him to be a professional. So those are guys that really stand out to me. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll see. There will certainly be guys. We got the hand size coming in and, and arm length for quarterbacks and wide receivers. What about players that could help their causes with solid workouts because teams have limited exposure to them or they played at a level where the competition is, you know, not as athletic, not as skilled. Sure. And I, and I think that a guy that can help himself out that maybe scouts have seen to a degree, but he's split a lot of time. He's been injured a lot throughout his career is South Carolina's Rico Dottle. I think he needs to show that he has top notch physical skills. And there's times that when you look at his tape, he looks kind of like a guy in the mold of a Joe Mixon or Le'Veon Bell in terms of the way that he moves, how quick he is uh, and it looks on uh, how he looks on tape and he can catch the ball well. And he has that, ability to make people miss and and kind of hang behind the line and and wait for that a, a certain crease to open and kind of peekaboo with the with the linebackers so he needs to show that he has the physical skills to kind of match what you see on film because if he does i think that 
teams will be willing to take a chance on him maybe in the late round or give him a UDFA contract that's that that's worth him getting the chance to stick with the team and develop. Um, Josh, uh, other running backs that I think that in, that also fit into that are Joshua Kelly out of UCLA and Scotty Phillips out of Ole Miss. I think they need to show that they have strong acceleration and change of direction skills. Um, you know, they're both very good runners, but under the radar a bit. Um, you know, Amik Robertson, the the cornerback from Louisiana Tech, certainly a, a well-known name as one of the more under-the-radar type of players. I think size is an issue. So his athletic ability and on-field skill are something that shows up well to compensate. But, um, you know, again, it's going to either – show up well to compensate or it's going to overshadow what's notable in Indy. And I think that that's about, you know, speed. Does he have enough speed to, to really, you know, prove that what he's doing at the college level, he's going to be able to do at the NFL level. Um, Jeff Gladney out of TCU, I think is another one who fits in that range. And then there are guys who are, you know, probably, you know, on the end of, you know, who, again, you know, more of the lesser known guys, I think Antonio Gandy Golden, how well he runs is going to be, you know, something that teams are going to look at. Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin, who is just a, you know, a really, really physical player um, at the wide receiver position who missed time due to an injury and then missed time due to an offseason um, due, due to a, actually a court case. Um, that he was he was accused of rape and actually had um, it acquitted in um, pretty quick fashion, but it was uh, the team had retained its support of this guy and he's someone that um, isn't is a compelling prospect on the field. Um, so he's someone that's going to be interesting like that. I think James Morgan just seeing him on FIU, the quarterback, you know, teams getting the chance to see him throw a little bit. I think is going to be helpful and just getting to see him out there compared to all the other guys in terms of physical tools and what he looks like height weight. He certainly matches what they're looking for, you know, out of quarterbacks in in that range of the spectrum. So those are some of the guys that um, certainly fit that. And I'd say maybe even Aaron Parker out of Rhode Island, the the wide receiver there is someone who's going to have to, I think, you know, showing up well in terms of being able to catch the ball consistently and testing well will really help his cause. Because again, you know, being playing at a school like Rhode Island, giving you know teams a chance to see him on an even plane is always very helpful. What about the players that you expect to post impressive workouts, like in specific phases, specific drills at the combine? Yeah, I mean, I think Chase Young, you're going to see. I think you're going to see him have a, a, a terrific broad jump. I think, you know, the same thing will probably go that he'll run an impressive 40 and 20. You're going to see some impressive 10 yard splits out of him. He should have, uh, you know, a fantastic combine. I think the same is true of Isaiah Simmons or um, Clavon Chasen, um, the, the, the edge rusher out of LSU. Both all those guys I think are going to do very well on, you know, the shuttle drills, the, the 40 times, as well as being able to do the vertical leap and the broad jump. Um, K.J. Hamler, I think, you know, I expect him to have the the Penn State wide receiver to, you know, have a, a really fast 40 time and, and show that short area quickness that we're looking for. Um, I, I would watch for the gauntlet with him, though, because on the field he tends to have 
certain framing of his hands, how he positions his hands on catches that can be a little inefficient. So for this kind of drill <laughs> that isn't as realistic for the, for the, um, you know, for what happens on the field, you may see him get tripped up. Like if he doesn't, if he, if he misses one or two, it could kind of cascade for him where he has some, a serious number of drops. And if that happens, I wouldn't worry so much about his hands um, because there's just a little bit of a, he, he tends to turn his hand, one of his hands in a certain way that while it hasn't hurt him on a catch to catch basis, if, you know, if he was ever on a field where I guess you get points for catching you know, six, seven, eight balls in a row, then, uh, you know, then I guess you can eliminate him from your draft board, but I don't think anybody's going to do that. Jonathan Taylor, you know, how well, I, I think he's going to have a very strong combine from, from basically the bench press to, you know, being able to, being able to run in, in, in terms of, you know, the 40 and the 20, um, the three cone drill is going to be interesting to me to see how he is. I think he's going to do very well there too, but those four guys are really high on my list as, Guys, I expect to have strong combines in a variety of areas. The Wonderlick is not part of the combine, but usually hear about the test soon after, especially when somebody leaks information. Um, what's the origin of the test? Why, in your mind, or does it have questionable validity? Why does the NFL still use it? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It was a test designed for Navy fighter pilots in terms of testing them in World War II, and it's an intelligent test. And, and, and like a lot of intelligence tests, there's a certain level of cultural bias to it. So if, you're, you, know, if you grew up in the suburbs or if you grew up with wealth, um, you're probably more likely to have been well-prepared culturally to, to do well on this test you know, because basically your parents – you know, since you were able to send you to a quality school, you, you may have been able to get some tutoring. Um, you And if you had struggled a little bit in one way or the other, you probably had the means or your family had the means to help tutor you to get you to prepare um, on certain levels of subjects where, you know, you're going to perform reasonably well on a test like this. Whereas if you don't have those things, you're going to need a lot of supplemental help, most likely, to to be able to do that as well. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's biased on that level. Um, and it also just measures again, how well you maybe retain certain types of information and how well your mind processes that. And while that can be helpful in a classroom, when you're learning plays on a foot, you know, for football, you still have to translate it. You still have to have kind of a mental motor link in terms of what the, you know, the intellectual and physical can do together. And you're definitely not going to learn that with the Wonderlick. But and you know they've even had some experts, some academic experts, who have you know whose you know course of study is on intelligence testing and and looking at intelligence testing in sports. And they've talked to the NFL, and I'm talking about like in New York with owners and with the commissioner, and have specifically stated that this is not a a worthwhile test in terms of you know what you say you're trying to measure out of it um and so why they're still using it i mean i i have a couple theories that i've talked about with some people and they kind of agree with me about this in terms of you know people who've scouted in the league and been a part of it one of them sounds kind of conspiratorial but listen you know part of it is is that 
you can leak information about players and teams tend to like to use the leak that to see if a player's draft stock will will fall or change a little bit um, being able to leak a really high or really low score um, and see whether teams take the bait on that or whether you know and and so there's a little bit of that going on um, because this is an administ- this can be a test administered um, by various scouts with different teams. So it's like you can have a if a player who's a quarterback scores below a certain threshold, often a 20 is the number. They score below a 20. A lot of teams will actually take those guys off their board. And to me, that's really silly when you look at, you know, Dan Marino scoring a 13 and Steve McNair scoring an eight. <laughs> and you look at the kind of, you know, skills that these guys had and what they show on the field. And I, and I think what happens is that there are some owners who are very rigid about, you know, that this is what they've always done and this is how they're always going to do it. Whereas some owner, you know, some um, GMs and, and scouting directors and owners are more open to looking at the test in a way that I think is where it's best used. And, and probably where it's best used is, is more as a, a tool just to see which guys stand out on the low end and not so much to eliminate them, but to understand, to try and learn more about them. You know, if Frank Gore scores and, you know, scored a very low score, it was under a 10 and you look at, you know, how he might be the, you know, he might be the PhD of running back play in terms of what he does, but you need to, you may need to look at and see, does the guy have a learning disability? Is he able to transfer information that we need him to? Are we going to need to offer something a little above and beyond what we would do um, normally with most of the players? And can do we have the infrastructure to do that? Is the player worth doing that for? And many times the answer will be yes, because if there are teams that are willing, as I've talked about in the past, that, you know, this is way in the past, but if they were willing to have a, you know, a plainclothes police officer tag along and play babysitter for for some guys on occasion who were exceptional, then I think they'd be more than happy to have a great a person that they don't have to worry about that kind of stuff with, but they may have to do a little extra to help them out in the classroom, especially if what they're able to determine is that they may n- never test well in that area, but you put them on the field, and even though they may fail whatever written test you give or not do well on the whiteboard or in the, in the room, you put them out on the field and tell them about a concept and show it to them, they get it. They get it right ten times out of ten, and they're the most accurate at performing the tasks that you need them to do. And they even think well on their feet when things change a little bit. So to me, it's if anything, because there's so many players that are being studied um, right now, the wonder lick is something that can can be helpful in helping you kind of catch at the outliers and see whether those outliers are, you know, there's something extra that you need to do for them. But if you were only studying, you know two or, you know, two or three hundred guys, as opposed to, I guess, 3,500, you probably wouldn't have even needed this test in the first place because you'd have more time to look at them in depth in the way that you need to and do that with every single one of those guys. Excellent work as always, Matt. Love that. Love that information. Almost as much as I love going to betonline.ag and placing a wager after I use the promo code podcast one. You can do... Certain types of prop bets, XFL, you can listen to Fantasy Feast for daily fantasy stuff and go over to betonline.ag with that information. 
You can listen to Even Money Podcast and then head on over to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. It doesn't matter. Just go to betonline.ag if you're going to place an online wager and use the promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% five zero welcome bonus. It is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Almost as awesome as Matt Wallman and this podcast was. Cannot wait next week to talk about some of the things that happened at the Combine, both positively and negatively. Should be fantastic. Other than that, I am done. The keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.